Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just to let you know that the Cinema Catch-Up Club has an official Patreon page. If you'd like to become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies, including early access material and bonus features only available to our patrons, then please join up at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's another audience choice film. That's right, after last week, uh, with the delayed watching of The Merger, we're back on schedule with this month's audience chosen film. We asked for you to pick your favourite remakes, and you selected, you voted for, Little Shop of Horrors. The 1986 version for those playing at home with the calendar. So joining me to watch this uh, musical with uh, Plants and Rick Moranis, uh, we have, as always, someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has seen the film, it's Tegan Mulvaney. Hello. Back again. I'm back again. You yes. can't get rid of me. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, you keep offering to host, which, yeah. which or helps. Or bullying. To... A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. But... Um, one of the reasons that we've got you on this particular one is that you are a massive fan of both Rick Moranis yes. and of Little Shop in general. Yes, yes. So in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, uh, what can people who have not seen this film expect? Uh, heaps of fun, heaps of music. Um, one of those kind of films that takes you to a different world sort of thing. Um, and just Cameo City. Cameo it's, City? Yeah. Just every great person from the 80s is in it. Every single great person Every from the single 80s. one. I, yeah. I'm Anyone who's not in it is not great. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Manchester United's FA Cup winning goal scorer Norman Whiteside, I'm presuming, pops they, up. They uh, are in the Skid Row. They're the backing singers to Skid Row. All yeah. right. I'll keep an yeah. eye out for them there. Uh, and joining us as our guest who hasn't seen the film and making his debut on the program, ladies and gentlemen, it's Ryan Hunt. Hello. Hello. Uh, Ryan, uh, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. For the folks at home, who are you and what do you do? Sure. I'm Ryan. I'm a human, about 6'3", and uh, <laughs> I'm a, a theatre maker and muso around uh, mm. the Perth scene. Certainly are. Uh, you don't but... ask me what I do anymore. <laughs> well, this is the 20th film you've reviewed. <laughs> you know, this is, this is this is you know, by this point people know it's Tegan. She does a podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's all I do now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so you're you're a local uh, musician, and uh, I have to say we work together on a, on the odd show here and there. You're the one of the talented musos at Improv D and D. That's it. You know, you throw down a couple of lines, then I throw down a couple of lines of music, a bit of back and forth. Mm-hmm. So uh, yes, yeah, so Ryan, as a muso, why haven't you seen Little Shop of Horrors? <laughs> it's a know. musical. I know. I I am shocked myself when I actually. Uh, got invited to do this i was like i need to tick this off my own bucket list mm. i'd even um a couple of the fr- of friends of mine we'd all rented we'd, we'd bought actually there was a video store closing down and we'd bought um the dvd because they were selling it and uh then one of the couples that we were with broke up oh no and what, before you could watch the before film? we'd watch <gasps> the film oh, no. and they took it with them Oh, so, what a jerk. Wow. Yeah. What, That's what, vindictive. Yeah. But why would they take it with them if they'd just broken up? Like, would they, like, just, like, grabbing anything they could? Well, no, I don't know. But it was more like 
we didn't we were friends with both of them but we are uh, both of the people but it was kind of like do you want to watch that film that we were all going to watch you know mm. with your ex painful no. <laughs> memories <laughs> yeah not so much Excellent. so uh, that okay. was the one chance that i truly had mm. and now you know well, movies are so inaccessible these days it's true <laughs> yes well uh luckily for you nobody on this podcast is in a relationship with each other so i think we're okay Phew. yeah um what do you actually know about little shop then aside from the fact that it's a musical yeah i mean the i know from the cover i gather it's about some kind of evil venus fly trappy boy um and then from the title maybe there's a I don't know, some shorter people involved or a small <laughs> shop. But uh, beyond that, yeah. And I, I did know it was a musical, actually. A mutant plant in the littlest pet shop. Yeah, in the smallest. <laughs> it's, yeah, terrorizes a very small village. I mean, I, I have to admit, I also haven't seen this film. I'm assuming it's not anything to do with the um, certain Australian supermarkets little shop thing. Where they have those <laughs> little tiny plastic... That's- yeah. things that they're selling like tiny Nutella jars because that's a little shop of environmental mm. horrors yeah um, yes. 100% that's mm. killing plants yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> a true horror film whereas yes. I'm led to believe this is a comedy so of um, sorts maybe yep. I don't know well should we find out Yes, yeah. 100%. Okay, uh, we are going to watch the film now. For those of you listening at home, pop in your DVDs and prepare for a trip to the dentists as we watch Little Shop of Horrors. And welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Little Shop, Little Shop of Horrors. And I'm joined once again by Tegan Mulvaney. Good evening, Stephen Platt. <gasps> oh my goodness, it's Audrey. <laughs> uh, very good impression. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and we're also joined by Ryan Hunt. Question me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will do that then, Ryan. Uh, what did you think of Little Shop? That was your first time watching it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's yeah, it's so much fun. Mm. Um and even like a little bit of a, a step back in time in terms of, I mean, a double step back in time once for the kind of style of movie mm. and the, all the puppets, amazing puppets. And then mm. another step to the, I don't know, even know when it was. 86. Oh, but set in the 50s. Sorry, set in the 50s, mm. filmed in 86, mm. watched in 2019. <laughs> so that, they're, they're the three gaps we have here. Listen to whenever... You're listening to it. <laughs> yes, right. it, indeed. Um, so, so you enjoyed it then? Yeah, I, I really did. Uh, I have to say, because this is my first time watching it, I loved it. Yes. Oh, my oh God, my God, that film's amazing. Oh, that's Boom. so relieving. That's now, so stressful yes. to watch a, like, a film you hold so dearly yeah. <laughs> to people who've never seen it before. Yeah. And um, Tegan was very much uh, being very good, being very well restrained. Oh, so hard. Uh, but this was a repeat of uh, another... Sp- Spaceballs. Rick- yeah, the Spaceballs incident. Another Rick Moranis film. Yeah. Um, when, we, well, when we watched Spaceballs, ooh, 100-odd episodes ago, um, Tegan was sat very pensively hoping we'd like it. And we didn't necessarily... You didn't. We didn't necessarily didn't love like it. It was sort of in the middle, but this, I, I have to say, I thought mm. this was great. Oh, this was God. so much fun. Yes. Um, I, 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 look, I, I sort of suspected it might be quite good, given how many people who I know and respect really like this film and really like this, well, this stage show, all the various iterations mm. that, that Little yeah. Shop of Horrors has had. And so when um, it, it came up, and I still obviously hadn't seen it, I was coming into it expecting to enjoy it. I did not expect this film, though, and I, I don't know if you agree, Ryan. I did not expect this to be so musical in in like in a stage musical sense. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I I was surprised by um, 
how kind of stagey it even felt like in a, in a positive way mm. that they'd transferred because it was obviously like a movie and then it had become the stage show and off off broadway i think it said yep. at the end yeah yeah um and then it's like brought back to film but they've also like retained some kind of totally. like amazing theatricality mm. about it well, it's like you were saying it's rocky horror-esque which is what rocky horror did so beautifully yeah mm. they i think there is a you know that that side that sort of kind of feeling is definitely in how they've staged this as well yeah and it, mm. i don't think you could well you probably could do it a different way but to be a traditional musical mm. um set up you'd need to do it the way that they've done it yeah. even in casting the people from the you know ellen green who's from the original like mm. they've obviously wanted to just put what they saw on film yeah um we, we haven't actually obviously reviewed rocky horror on this program we will get to it one day bagsy <laughs> Um, <laughs> you'll have to fight a lot of people for it. Uh, but the um, one of the one of the things about that film, uh, I was reading a, a a Roger Ebert review of Rocky Horror from when it came out for for some PhD research, um, and he was basically saying that he really felt watching Rocky Horror that whilst he liked it, he felt as though the way that it was filmed, it, it, it kind of felt like it was. It, it didn't belong on film. His his impression was mm. that it had all the knowing nods and winks of the stage show, and that was great, and obviously honouring the place that it came from. But he also felt that it, that translation didn't quite work, and it felt clumsy, and that it basically was just yearning to be on the stage. Mm. This, for me, having not seen the stage version, though, felt like it was very comfortable in its film clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it really just read beautifully. And, like, that whole thing is... is sound stages none of that is yeah. exterior yeah, shooting yeah. it's it's very obvious to see and it works so well mm. it really works well in capturing that not quite reality yeah. um of of the i guess the the musical world yeah yeah and it it, it kind of like really knew what it was like mm. um during it where this kind of not literal winks to the camera but you know the kind of some of the characters that crop up and, yeah, the, and the cameos and yeah yeah it's very and even the material with the motorbike like <laughs> some of the gags yeah. they're very like we're not taking ourselves too seriously but it flopped yeah. in 86 when mm. it was out it yeah. was not a hit at right. all um even with the changes that they made to it mm. which probably will come up yes later so we won't talk about them now yeah. Mm. um yeah big flop big yeah. flop yeah right um which Jeez. is but I, with that I, cast as well, <laughs> I know. And all, but I, all of the, like you know, Frank Oz and everyone who worked on it st- still stands by it as mm. a piece of art, and mm. it's it's got so many fans out there. It's like maybe like Rocky Horror, which mm. yeah. needed to find its audience. Yeah. Um. Later on, after filming, got a bit of a cult kind of. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and it, it's interesting not really knowing the show and like not uh, not really having seen it. I was surprised how many of the songs I knew. A hundred percent, yeah. Um, like, like that. I didn't know, obviously, the lyrics to suddenly say more, but as soon mm. as they started singing it, it was a case of, oh, I know this song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, did you have that with any of the other songs? A hundred percent, yeah. The melody, even the opening song, like, mm. little 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 I was like, so how do I, like, how exactly do I know this? I'm not sure, but, mm. yeah, I knew lots of little kind of tidbits. Mm. Oh, and somewhere that's green as well. Yeah. I think I'd heard that in some other context. Like You heard it in The Little Mermaid by the sound oh, of it because yeah. it, it sounded almost exactly like Part of Your World. Which... A little bit. And suddenly Seymour has some chord progressions in there that are a little bit like Part of Your World mm. as well. So there's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alan Mankin, very much borrowing from himself there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, well, this flopped. No yeah. one will watch this again. I'll just yeah. use this this Disney thing. I'm going to see if it myself, works. So. <laughs> um, so the story is such that it is. Uh, we follow the adventures of Seymour, a lonely shopkeep, played by Rick Moranis. Yay! Who else could play this character? Nobody, I say. Nope. Nobody could play it as well. Um, he He's really good in this. He wasn't going to play it, though. Wasn't he? Oh, of course. No, sorry. Uh, yes, originally the role was offered to uh, someone else in this film, uh, Mr. John Candy, yeah. Mr. Sound Effects himself. And I think it was just uh, filming commitments to something else that stopped him from mm. doing this film, being Seymour. Like, it, he yeah. was going to be the role. That's my cat. I'm yes. sorry, everyone. Sorry. Hello, Maurice. Yeah. Um, John Candy, then. Actually, now that you've said that, I'm curious to know what a John Candy version of this film would look like. Nah. Nah, you wouldn't buy it? I love John Candy, yeah. but he's he's Uncle Buck. He's not it's true. He's not Seymour <laughs> Krellborn. It's got to be... Krellborn. Moranis. It's got to be Rick Moranis. Yeah, it has he's, to be. he's just got this permanent look on his face as though he's just stepped in dog poo. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what am I going to do now? Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's just such a, like, a lovable, down-on-his-luck kind mm. of expression face that he... he, he he moves. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, Maurice. He moves and walks around like he is damp yeah. all the time. <laughs> That's such a good description. Yeah. yeah. Just like, oh, woe is me. Yeah, um, yeah. But he's very compelling. And, of course, um, you know, they're in this crappy little shop that's not doing much mm-hmm. um is mr mujnik the boss um <laughs> who is is really fun i was i was like oh this, yeah. this guy's good fun <laughs> he was yeah yeah definitely. just what do they do they throw me this wow <laughs> you're like children <laughs> yeah a, and need a date with him you need major medical <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's someone that basically felt like he could have been played by mel brooks or, or <laughs> any of those sort of famous like jewish american comedians yes. he was beautifully performed and then of course there's there's audrey with yes, her, Ellen Green. With her just wonderful, weird voice. Yeah. Professional. I was amazed. I'd, again, that's another thing I'd realised. I'd heard people do impressions of yes. Audrey. Mm. Um, but this, like, for her to even sustain that and make it... Mm. See, like, you totally buy it once you're in it. You're like, Absolutely. okay, that's, that's mm. Audrey. Yeah, it's like, that's her voice. Yeah. She just talks like this. <laughs> that's Very the, when I saw the stage show that was in... That toured Australia about five years ago... Like, how difficult would it be to step into those roles when they're so iconic? Yeah. Like, particularly the Audrey role was really wonderful because the, I don't know her name, which is horrible. I know, it's terrible. Um, She played it really differently mm. and it was great. She played, but how scary to step into a role like that. That's Yeah. Because Ellen Green played it up until this point the whole time. Mm. She, she, she kind of played Audrey a little really sultry mm. like this. And it okay. worked so yeah. well. It was so that's still that same energy, that same beautiful character. Yeah. Mm. But she was really, <laughs> she was really dry. <laughs> it was so cool. I loved okay. it. It's nearly a Trump. <laughs> yeah, kind yeah. of. Was. <laughs> <laughs> Audrey Trump. Bold choice. Mm. Um, but it's interesting. The one thing I did notice as well was like the difference between her singing voice then, because yeah. it was like this like little like bassy belt. Oh yeah. Like, it was great because you heard her singing voice and you're like. You can not really, really sing, which you'd assume for someone in a musical. Yeah, that's that's you'd what you want. So, but you never know. You do never know, but, but modern it, musicals. I think it just made it made me at least watching it appreciate that voice that she was doing the entire time. Yeah, and how even though it's a, like it's a very silly voice, but it, it kind of suited that very sort of fragile mm. and kind of. I'm trying to think of the right word because she's just so 
not quite understanding of the world around her to yeah. an extent. She's very much weighed down by it. And obviously, you know, she's got this, this awful boyfriend we'll get mm. onto shortly. But also, like, she's just content to work in a flower shop or in yeah. this, um, yeah. or in the gutter. The gutter? In the gutter. The gutter. It's a night spot. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's also, like, it totally plays into how they've uh, dressed her and how they've mm. kept it quite cartoonish and quite stagey. Mm. So she's got clearly a wig on. Yeah. The, the sling in the arm, which yeah. is the scarf. Yeah. You know, when she comes out and she's got this shiner, it's black eye makeup. It's clearly all pretend. Yeah. Um, I love that they made those choices, though. Mm. It's like right from the start, you need to be taken out of the believability of it. You're, you're aware that it's a show. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, I think the voice really plays into that. I think one well. of the other things that they did really well in the opening five minutes is having the chorus being such yeah. a big part. Yes. Um, the chorus are great. And I'm, the more I watch this film, the more I'm thinking, did all of the Disney Renaissance just steal bits from this film? Because it felt very much like the chorus from Hercules. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Um, but not even just the fact that it was a chorus, but their usage, the way they were interacting, the fact that it was um, like tied into that kind of like American gospel yeah, type yeah. singing. It was just, they were great. I, I loved the chorus. I love the way they were implemented. Mm. I love little things like the fact that they didn't get wet when it was raining. So you got the sense of yeah. like they were not quite part of the world, but they yeah. were there. And then the fact that they're playing other characters like the urchins. Yeah. Um, the, the chorus were just wonderful. Yeah, really like fluid in terms of the kind of transitions. And like you said, they slipped into the world and then they were suddenly apart from it. And mm. yeah, I really enjoyed enjoyed the even the, the songs themselves transitioning yeah. between fantastically written songs beautifully performed mm. and yeah basically we've got this down on his look seymour guy who's you know living in a basement under the shop and he's got all these weird plants that he's looking after and one of them <laughs> he bought from a chinese plant shop that i mean obviously this very much um was evoking some of those b-movie 1950 <laughs> science fiction um concepts uh, I love the fact they had the the title crawl, which obviously nowadays we associate with Star Wars. It's great, isn't it? But the way they utilise it is very much in that 50s sort of, we're setting the scene without having to film it. So we <laughs> you just understand what's happening from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the fact that it was just a plant that was weird because of a total eclipse. It came mm. from space. So, so I know that I was just looking at my phone then but mm. when you said that thing about hercules i was like i wonder who wrote the music for hercules it's alan menken mm. oh, boom. so yeah. the chorus thing kind of he's well versed in it i, yes. I also feel as though audrey two themselves um who we we, we should probably get to as a significant character in this film yeah. very much was almost like an evil version of the genie from aladdin oh yeah mm. very much you know I, I kind of feel as though um you know in that sense of like this sort of figure that bestows power yeah. onto these other characters. Um, and I almost feel as though the songs, obviously the singing style of, of um, Levi Stubbs, Levi Stubbs <laughs> is very different from Robin Williams. Yeah. But I kind of feel as though there's that kind of like attitude behind yeah. Audrey yeah. 2 singing that reminded me of bits of the genie from, yeah. from Aladdin. Certainty in promising what you want. Yeah. I can give you what you need yeah. if you just kind of service. Except instead of magic, it was murder. Well, there's always, there's that like, uh, fan idea of whether Seymour is creating Audrey's Audrey 2's voice or whether it's mm. actually Audrey 2 actually is alive because it's mm. what I know they've played with that in, sta in the stage versions as well mm. like in the one that I saw um, 
they had Brent Hill playing Seymour Crowbomb, but also voicing Audrey too. Oh, really? Mm. So he was performing on stage with himself voicing. Wow. It was. <laughs> so was he singing? He was singing both, both parts, parts yeah. live. Yeah, wow. live. Wow. And it was fascinating to watch, and wonderful. Um, and that was to kind of put to the audience: is mm. it in his head? Yeah, is what that does a- dramatically is yeah. very interesting. Um, it's like justifying his own kind of murderous totally, yeah, desires. because because he's getting what he wants yeah. from this plant. That yeah, from have like it's yeah, it's like mm. he's can't deal with what he's doing, so he's made yeah. it someone else's Projected fault. It yeah, it's onto a plant. <laughs> kind of cool, kind of meta. I personally just like it being a big magical plant from outer yeah. space. Yeah. Um, with a, just a wonderful voice that mm. kind of goes, ah, blood. Uh, yes. uh, <laughs> um, who sang the theme song to Grease 2 as well. Um, I might just really? like to put that out there. Oh, I don't even know if I'd know the theme song to Grease 2, though. Oh, the first song. You know how they've always got that cool song at the start? Mm. So, Grease is, Grease is the word. Yeah, yeah. And then the four tops sing, um, we've got to go back, back to school uh, again. Okay, yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's him. Yep. There you go. Um, but, yeah, Audrey 2... Um, beautifully realised with the puppetry. Oh, um, yes. I, I'm Amazing. on a bit of a puppetry kick at the moment because of the Dark Crystal TV series. <laughs> uh, uh, we reviewed that film four episodes ago. Since then, I've watched the series twice. Uh, <laughs> puppets are great. And the puppet in this was um, superb. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah. And the way puppets. they all interacted with it as well. Yeah. yeah. Like they had to shoot those scenes. I'm so sorry. I'm, gonna, I'm totally nerding out in <laughs> this one. Do. Normally I'm just like, dick jokes, blah, blah, blah. But now I'm like, no, no, this is, this is serious. So let's talk about art. <laughs> <laughs> they had to film it at half speed. So they had to slow oh. because the puppet was so intricate. So all of those scenes with him and particularly Rick Moranis, mm. they're filming that at half speed and then they sped it up. Yeah. So if you watch it, it's a tiny bit stilted yeah, when they yeah. speed it up, but it's it's only because he's literally in a scene performing in slow motion, <laughs> saying his lines in slow motion so they can speed it up and Jeez. match it to the soundtrack afterwards. Yeah. Wow. It's so cool. That's incredible. Yeah. It's just it, incredible. It was one of those things like... Because I've, I've read that for the upcoming trivia section. Oh, sorry. No, no, that's fine. It, it, <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, we'll treat it like it's natural. We'll just okay. filter it in uh, like little cuttings of, of trivia. Yeah. You'll have no trivia left by the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, but, but what I really liked uh, about that was I completely forgot about it watching the film. By the time you had yeah. Audrey 2 in the scenes and moving around, I at no point went, oh, yeah, that's right. He's moving at half speed because yeah. it looked... Right, it looked great. So engrossed in it that yeah. it's yeah. yeah. Um very, very engrossing. Speaking of engrossing, or specifically the word gross, uh Audrey's boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> played by Steve Martin. How did he steal a film with <laughs> so many other things that could have stolen the film? How how did Steve Martin do that, Ryan? I have no idea. But Dyed his hair. That really. Elvis <laughs> vibe. Yeah, yeah. That worked. I'd say the first time you'd seen him, I was seen him with uh, the old black hair. Oh look. Yeah. yeah, just Dark not grey hair. Not grey, exactly. Yeah. So you that. It took me a second to be like, is that Steve? Is that? It's Steve Martin. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but he killed it, didn't he? His so energy, good. his swagger. Absolutely. Bizarre kind of walking and dance moves. <laughs> he had it going. I both like loathed him and also just wanted that confidence <laughs> he had going around. Mm. And some of those dental tools, torture oh, tools. Yeah. Terrifying. They, yeah. they were they were horrifying. But prop maker's dream. <laughs> yeah, but, but just a wonderful sort of like a continuation of that theme that had already been established through the character of Audrey, that you had this other Mm. character who was 
not so much larger than life, but just not of our world, yes. I guess. Yeah. Very, almost in a way that I kind of feel like a lot of the adults in Roald Dahl books are very much how children view them. I feel as though that yeah. the way that Orin was behaving is very much the way people who don't know the 50s imagine greases were like yeah. Um, yeah. just like moving around like that that kind of like jumping off the motorbike and then letting it skid to a stop <laughs> so funny. and like flying in from behind the camera yeah to, like, to dead stop <laughs> yeah as well. in, like, so good stop that was in front of a wall. uh but yeah steve steve martin's really good in this yeah yeah it's good fun. I love how they set up those characters. All the characters that die are horrible. Mm-hmm. Like even Mr. Mushnick, yeah. like he's basically trying to exploit Seymour. Yeah. yeah once he starts trying to exploit him, I was like, ah, oh, you, okay, you need to die get, now. You're going to get killed. Cause, like yeah. it's a really nice setup for that narrative of going, yeah, Seymour's murdering people, but uh, yeah. they need we, to go. Yeah. <laughs> definitely with the Mr. Mushnick characters at when he was holding Seymour at gunpoint. And I was like, yes. oh no, You've obviously got to die, and yeah. then I was like, I was like, oh, uh, like I'm ignoring. But then when he like tries to cut this deal, I'm like, oh, you're you totally gone, selling buddy. out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm happy to see you get eaten. Yes. Yeah, it was. I, th- I think it's right. It is interesting seeing how that works, um, because Orin had been set up as being just so irredeemable. Yeah. Like he to was a, degree, yeah. a nitrous oxide addicted <laughs> masochist. Yes. Um, who just was horrible and obviously you know we saw him like you know physically being abusive to to his partner uh in a light-hearted campy rumpy musical way but even though it's part of a light-hearted musical romp i felt that the way that they depicted that is one of the ways that stage musicals in particular can depict things yeah. really well like that where you're seeing the action but it's not how the action actually looks it's a representation um, from which we can extrapolate all of the the horrible Definitely. associated things, and I, I like, for example, the, you don't ever see him hit Audrey. You only see him um, hit her with, through like silhouette. a silhouette, yeah. which yeah. is, I think, probably a clever way of doing it. But you also just see the f- this Ellen Green's so incredible. You just see the fear mm. in yeah. her performance, yeah. like to be as kind of pastiche as she is, mm. and you know, um, like we just you know talking about how she's that voice and that role but she's still yeah. got this she just plays the truth of yeah. it it's so beautiful definitely notice watch. that when yeah he's forcing her to get on the bike yes. and everything and you're yeah. kind of like fearful for her and yeah. i was like mm. oh just so good it yeah, is d- despite how heightened it is you still feel genuine kind of fear for her absolutely mm. um I, I also think it's interesting that they, they they clearly want you to be on seymour's side and in in doing that the only character that Seymour actively harms is Audrey too in the finale. Yeah. Um, mm. Because obviously Orin doesn't die because of Seymour, but Seymour also doesn't save his life. Yes. Yeah. And similarly, um, he I, I don't think he wanted Mr. Mujnik to get eaten. Um, he was sort of like, oh, I'm not sure what to do. I'm caught. And then when he yeah. fell in the mouth, he's like, no, stop. And he gets swallowed and that's it. Yeah. yeah. I think I thought the film did a really kind of an, i suppose a good balancing act of yeah. going seymour's not a hero yeah but yeah. he is the character that you want to succeed yeah. why the changes are so problematic again yeah so do you want to talk us through those changes tegan is this a good time <laughs> now is probably a really good time <laughs> okay so in the original mm-hmm. the plants win so when they did the test screen there's footage of it it's on the extras on the DVD, yeah, if anyone right. has the DVD. Um, the plants take over. 
And the last song, so Mean Green Mother from Outer Space was written for the 86 uh, song, 86 uh, film, and won an Oscar for it. Mm-hmm. But the original final song is a song called Whatever You Do, Don't Feed the Plants. And the, and the last scene is all the plants over New York City just oh. destroying everything Godzilla style. Yeah. And so that's like, mm. it just seems like a really good segue into what you're saying because he's not a hero. Mm. So, like, ultimately, in the original, he loses everything. Audrey, when he sh- she gets enticed over, gets eaten by yeah. by Audrey too. Mm. And it's the most hilarious moment. It's the thing you miss, these insane moments. So, in the original, she he pulls her out and she's like, No, no, Seymour. <laughs> I... I'm okay. I'll finally be somewhere that's green. <laughs> and then the plant eats her. Really? <laughs> so wow. So you miss this like <laughs> that is, trashy, yeah. bullshit, funny moment. Like it's yeah. just so funny and beautiful. And then he just loses out because he's not a hero. It's, yeah. It's, um, it's really dark. But when they did the test screening for audiences... They hated it, and yeah, so they had really. to refilm and refilm the um, the hero's ending because the audience were like, "No, we need a." It's the eighties, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's like they wanted hero endings. It's right in the middle of your Schwarzenegger, Norris, you know, mm. Lundgren, Swayze, you know, <laughs> it's the way movies love go. fest. <laughs> yeah. mm. They want they want the payoff of the yeah, win, so yeah. that's why that happened. And it just like watching it now, it it's really interesting going. It doesn't quite sit right. Maybe mm. that was part of why it, people were a bit meh towards it. Possibly. I mean, I was still so, a good ending. I it, still love it. Yeah. But. yeah, it's still a good. Oh, I mean, it's a good ending because you still have the little plant in the flower bed, absolutely smiling at the end. <laughs> yeah, you know, saying that they haven't got rid of them and that happily yes. ever after is a is is a false happily ever That's after, right. basically. Yeah. Um, but it also gives you i think the catharsis that i, I as a first time viewer wanted which is i wanted them i wanted audrey you and want them Seymour together. to yeah, be together because yeah, yeah, they, they clearly you know were they clearly cared about each other yeah. and they were kind of in a really horrible place that mm. skid row place looks awful yeah. <laughs> as depicted through that really incredible song the, yeah. the yeah. Uh, skid downtown skid row with homeless so and alcoholics and the with manchester united in the background <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah norman, yeah norman wisdom everyone from the 80s <laughs> yeah. if i remember correctly i yeah. didn't count yeah. everyone who mattered from yeah. the 80s. well i mean speaking of those cameos christopher guest so just good. somehow somehow just did not seem like it was a human being playing 100%. that role yeah yeah he was incredible really just and, my God! Oh, yes, I'll buy fifty dollars worth. <laughs> and that was I another, guess I'll take twice as many. <laughs> another early scene that, in particular, like really tipped me over the edge of. Okay, I'm watching him. Like, yeah, you buy watching, into yeah, it, don't you? Yeah. It sets it up something for you. that's not of this world. Yes, like, yeah. and absolutely. You're kind of in feet and all. Then I think mm. definitely. I love that there's the Second City um, sh- uh, Canadian group meets the SNL group. Like, yeah, the Moranis Candy. I think Christopher Guest might be part of that. I believe so, yeah. And then John Can- uh, and John Candy, mm-hmm. and uh, I said that. And then um, you know Bill Murray and mm. Steve Martin and those sort of guys. Uh, it's really I mean, cool. Bill Murray was <laughs> <That> another like <laughs> scene. To, I want to watch. I want to follow that guy all day. As, like, soon, as soon as you saw him in room? the waiting room, yeah, yeah. Just all like... of his dental appointments. You see, yeah. go, it's this woman I see yeah. on Tuesday, and she's a bro- she's the sister of a guy I see on Mondays. <laughs> oh, and I was almost like. 
like very satisfied to see him go there. Yeah. And so that, then Steve Martin's, um, what's the dentist's name? Oren Scrivello. Yeah, that's why I can't remember it. <laughs> um, I'm like, yeah, you get your comeuppance, this guy likes it. Yes. And the um, yes, doctor line. Yeah. Just like... oh, for me, it was when he grabbed his shoulder in the middle <laughs> of the thing. It was just shot like a sex scene and it was amazing. Yeah. It was really, so clever. really like, funny. I just love it when he's putting... He's just setting himself up. He's just like, so he's like, I'll put this here. Oh, I love it. I love it. You could easily, like the movie would have been great without that, but just that little minute and a half or whatever it might have been. I mean, as I understand it, that is the only time Bill Murray and Steve Martin have been in the same film. And the fact they got that scene together is so great because they are two of the sort of top performing comedic actors of that time period in America. And just seeing them, actually kind of genuinely acting is the interesting thing as well like even though it's so obviously bill murray and steve martin they're playing characters like they're not just playing themselves or playing some iteration of themselves and like total characters yeah steve martin's like menacing movements around the room and like when this thing's not causing pain he's trying to find something else and it was just really really lovely Mm. um also um jim belushi yeah jim belushi with his little uh, cameo at the end um, uh, Miriam Marigolds was I know. just like, oh my god, what's she doing? There? <laughs> yeah, you called that, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, they were filming it in England, so maybe she was just passing by. <laughs> yeah, it could have been Hattie Jakes had it been a different day. <laughs> she um, was on the morning show once and said that my sister was her favourite actress. Really? Yeah. Wow. She saw Kate in Richard the Third, and so it said that she was her favourite actress. Right. Just mm-hmm. throwing that in there. Yeah, that's just, it. Just a bit of, just because I'm proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> Name drop your sister. Why yeah, not? why not? <laughs> yeah. Boom, boom. Well, you know, two podcasts in a row, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, and kind of weird um, mix of, of different characters and performers. Um, uh, John Candy as well, we've discussed yeah. already, as, uh, as as Wink Wilkinson, just... <laughs> just it's and every other, he's every other um, radio presenter as well. Oh, right. Okay. He's all of them. So at the start with all the radio, it's mm. just him pretending to be different people each time. The yeah. radio scene, another like, not even entirely necessary to the plot as such, but it was so great to watch mm. and just like, and it's still, radio is still like that. It's just less manual. <laughs> it's it was, like, it's also fun. It was a great way of them showing the brilliance of their puppeteering as well. That, that scene where he's trying to bite that yeah. woman's ass. It's like, that's just... That's yeah. just them showing off their puppetry skills yeah. Yeah. and a bit of comedy. Like, and there's real tension in that scene it's as well. It's so great. Because yeah. you can see where the comedic setup would be. would be this woman's bending over mm. and the plant's obviously seeing that she's wearing a red skirt yes. and it associates red with blood and it's going, oh, I have food time. Yeah. But yeah. you also know that at that stage it would have been like, essentially it would have felt like a pinch and she would have turned around and Rick Moranis would be there going, oh my yep. God, what's 100%. happening? Get slammed. Yep. And then I really like that they built to that tension and then he stopped it. Yeah. I thought yeah. it was, really, yeah. was an interesting choice. Gives you enough time to play out what you think is going to happen completely mm. also having a child like she's older now so doesn't do that sort of crap anymore not that she tried to bite anyone's ass or anything but i just mean that when you just catch them before they do something and oh, they're yeah. like stop it yeah, <laughs> yeah. All, all the parents watching that are just like oh, oh yeah like, oh i've been there totally yeah it's very well put together and one of the things that i really liked about that radio scene thinking about the context of the rest of the film is how it shows that the character of Seymour is uncomfortable with with fame. Yes. Um, and I think it's yeah. I, I think it's kind of an interesting through line, which again is probably something that ties into us rooting for him, even if he's not a hero. Definitely. Um, of the fact that he's clearly not doing this 
for the same reasons that the the Jim Belushi agent would, or or even um, his boss does when he tries to make that that um, yeah. that offer. He genuinely is there because the plant is cool and because it helps the shop and because he kind of just wants to help Audrey. Mm. And I think mm. it's and you know he, he when when they um, have that conversation after he rescue, rescues it from the mouth and he says, so you wouldn't you'd still want to be with me if I wasn't famous and you've got this idea of just oh he's only doing all of this because he thinks he needs it yeah, yeah. um which I just thought was really a really lovely way of setting that up that that whole time he's just doing it because he wants to be important enough for Audrey I love how they set up it was prior to that when he's telling everyone go away go away they set Audrey up as well to show that she's she wants this for him mm. when she did, had that line um I wish you were enjoying your success. I love yeah. that one. I love the way she says it yeah. as well because it's just she just wants him to. She wants him to have some pride, mm. um, and yeah, just be and be and enjoy what's happening around here. It's just so beautiful. Mm. Which is why I wanted them to succeed and get together at the yeah. end. Yeah. Which is why I don't mind the theatrical rewrite. Yeah. But then she won't be. So- <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, so that. funny. Just YouTube it somewhere. It's just the best scene. Yeah. It's I mean, so cheesy. They do uh, both like dreamed you know what i mean and that's kind of like skid row is like you're at the bottom of the barrel here yeah. and so they both have these like i want absolutely kind of desires to just get out and for seymour it's through audrey it seems and but that's also for audrey yes and audrey sadly in her situation thinks that it's through her professional dentist, i know oh. but it's not and so both of them kind of fall into these hmm. um ill-fated kind of attempts to get out of their situation because they don't have much going for them mm. Uh, before we get to the trivia section, I just wanted to ask, did you have a favourite puppetry-based moment in this? Because we, there is some amazing puppetry on hand. And um, I just... Yeah, do you have one, Tegan, a particular moment from the puppets that makes you go, that's fantastic? Uh, there's quite a few. I mean, the phone call to Audrey <laughs> is oh, incredible. Yes. Mm. I think my favourite, it's really subtle, it's right at the start when they're... Um, it's the It's in the first supper time song and it's um it's when little audrey too is um feeding off his thumb because they've totally watched the way like when you feed a lamb you know with a bottle when you bottle feed an animal when they (laughs) tug at the bottle (laughs) and just trying to get more out of it Mm. um that is so that's so funny it's like i find Mm. that so hilarious Mm. because it's they've just watched (laughs) babies feeding and Audrey is a baby at that point, and they've gone, okay, this is how babies feed. We're going to make this puppet plant do it, mm. and it just makes it more realistic. Yeah, and the yeah, yeah. that was great. Uh, what about you, Ryan? Um, that was yeah. I forgot about the phone call actually. Just how they how they humanize, you know, or make it pseudo human. Yeah, what mm. it, it's doing is very clever. Um, but I would say just when it the articulation of the lips of yes. Audrey to when, mm. when it first starts speaking kind of amazed me. I was like, wow, like yeah. when it's like, feed me, feed And that whole song, aside from the beautiful voice that was accompanying it, I was like quite like enthralled by how it was, it's very ambitious to have mm. like um, something of that scale and um, and a puppet just sing. Mm. Um, yeah, you was, wouldn't want to trust anyone else to make those puppets mm. other than Henson, Henson Workshop. No, they, 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 they nailed it. I mean, for me, the, yeah. I think the phone call w- was the first thing I thought of after asking so the question. Good. Specifically, just trying to get the change yes. after the phone <laughs> the call. detail. Yeah. 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 It's, it's the tapping on the... <laughs> yeah. Um, I, that sort of stuff, 
only puppeteers can think of. I think yeah. like when so he's puppeteered for a few years and was lucky enough to do some courses in it with wonderful people. Mm. And I'm by no means at a level that would be able to display that stuff. But when you learn the fundamentals of puppeteering, you start with breath and how the body of a person moves and then you put that into your puppet to give it life. Mm. And so when you look at those details, they're so fascinating to look at because Mm. I think puppeteers have a way of looking at mannerisms and the way people are in the world very differently. They look at the little nuances Mm. that what we do when we are, you know, making a phone call or watching television Mm. or a baby drinking from a bottle and they know how to get that into the puppet to make it come alive. Yeah. Um, Oh, it just—it's so incredible. Like, it's not just a, like when he offers, you know, when he's offering the two fingers and the finger is dripping and the finger that isn't, mm. and the way that, yeah, and the, the way, recoil. yeah, the yeah. recoil is—that's it. And the, the the plant Audrey Two is just like nah, but mm. it's not done so stilted. It's done with so much yeah. energy and movement that you do believe that it's alive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, would you guys like some trivia that Tegan hasn't already said <laughs> yes, about always. Little Shop? All right. Uh, this trivia is uh, sourced from IMDb, uh, the home of great movie trivia. <laughs> I, look, I feel I've been stealing off them for almost three years now. I kind of feel like I should give some back. Yeah. Shout out to the little known website, <laughs> IMDb. <laughs> Check them out, guys. Give me a hit up. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bill Murray's scene in the waiting room was filmed as scripted, but there was virtually no written dialogue for his character once he got into the dentist chair. <sighs> Um, except for ecstatic cries of pleasure. Over the course of the two days that he filmed, Murray kept riffing various ad-libs, which presented a challenge for the editor to assemble a coherent version of the scene. <laughs> that's why there's a lot of candy bar. <laughs> Can I get a candy bar? Yeah. It's like that's the only coherent so thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, in the original cut of the film, uh, Paul Dooley played the part um, of Patrick Martin, the guy who's trying to buy the plants ah. at the end. When the cast and crew returned several months later to shoot a new ending, Dooley was unavailable, so Jim Belushi stepped into the role. Dooley received a special thanks credit in the film, and his scene appears in the black and white work print ending that is available on the original DVD. Uh, the 2012 director's cut slash Blu-ray release uh, restores Dooley's part, and conversely, it's Belushi who receives the special thanks credit. Oh, that's cool. Ooh. I so, didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. So they that's just a fun thing, is you get an alternate actor with yeah. each, with each oh, that's version. That's great. Depends which cutting you take. Mm. I'd prefer Dooley. <laughs> mm. That's fair. Uh, Jim Belushi's fine. He's all right. But you prefer Dooley. <laughs> Dooley would be better. Mm. Uh, the shot pulling away from Audrey uh, after she has finished singing Somewhere That's Green was so long it required two cranes, oh. uh, one placed on top of the other. The camera actually shifts a little uh, when the one crane stops and the other crane takes over. Um, now, I was looking out for that, and I did remember that. And you do see a little shift. A little shift, yeah. Because then yeah. it has to change and point its way up towards where the chorus are on the roof yeah. in their right. strictly ballroom montage. Uh, homage. It's such a beautiful scene because, like, she's just coming out of that dream. And her room is beautiful, you mm-hmm. know. Her ha- and then it's just that bum walking by. And then when you look yeah. around, there's people yeah. sleep on the sidewalk and stuff. It, like, to come back out into reality. Yeah. It's it's, oh, it's so well shot. There's some really nice shots. Yes. yes. Like the point of view from Audrey too as well. And they're yes. all looking down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a great yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. And, and inside the mouth of the dentist. Yeah, that was yes. great. The big puppet. Yeah. That's the best bit of puppetry. 100%. That was disgusting so and brilliant. Yeah. 
Um, all of the scenes were filmed at Pinewood Studios in England, including uh, what was then the largest set in the world, the 007 stage, because that's where obviously a lot of the Bonds oh, were filmed. Yeah. Uh, they didn't want to shoot on location because they felt it would ruin the fantastical mood of the film. Uh, part of the giant stage was used for the Suddenly Seymour number, but due to its size, the stage was impractical to heat and thus caused breath condensation to appear. Uh, this was countered by having the actors put ice cubes in their mouths between takes. <laughs> no. Uh, that would not be great if you were so just, just some ice. Like, that's yeah, so cool funny. Cool down your voice. Mm. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's incredible. Uh, the scenes in which the two largest Audrey 2 puppets are performing with actors are filmed at a lower speed, as you mm. said. Uh, first at 16 frames per second and then 12 frames per second for the final number. So, Jeez. yeah, it's it's just a pretty impressive technical feat, what they yeah. did. And that final puppet is massive. Isn't it? Yeah. Incredible. It's incredible. And there's no there's no blue screens or opticals involved in any of Audrey 2's scenes. Uh, they made six different versions of the plant from the wee baby one yeah. to the massive one. Um, uh, they also, um, there were three different versions of the shop. Uh, so making it possible for two units to work on different size plants at the same time. Clever. Uh, each of the talking plants had to be cleaned, repainted and patched up at the end of each shooting day. And this could take up to three hours, depending on the size of the plant. Jeez. Thanks, props. Mm. Appreciate you guys. <laughs> Uh, the old woman who begins the song Skid Row Downtown is the Tony-nominated singer-actress-comedian Beatrice Redding. But she didn't sing in the song. That's not her voice. Actually, lip it is. What? Double uh, No, Frank Oz says it's not in the or in the commentary. Uh, it has been erroneously reported that her voice was overdubbed <gasps> by Michelle Weeks, who played Renette and performed the verse for an alternate version of the soundtrack. But uh, In fact, Beatrice sang her part in the song live on set. It was her final film appearance before her death in 91. Now, that's contentious mm-hmm. because Frank Oz in the commentary mm-hmm. says that it's not her voice singing mm-hmm. on the soundtrack, she, that she has an amazing voice. Mm-hmm. Now I have to watch the commentary again. And yeah. that and that she was pissy at him because mm. she didn't get to sing and she would have been the best person to sing because yeah. her voice was incredible. Uh, it depends on you believe. The guy who directed the film and put it together or, the, <laughs> or IMDb. I well, don't but know. That, uh, now I'm not sure. But that's, yeah. well, but like I swear mm. that that's, that Frank Oz says that. Mm. In well, I think it's interesting commentary. that within the trivia, it does even know that there is conjecture over yeah. this. Yeah, because co- it doesn't say that he doesn't say it's Michelle Weeks. He says it's another soul singer that, that they got in to do right. it. Um, I'm gonna have to watch it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do it after this. Sounds yeah, like we'll it. figure it out. Um, the filmmakers originally offered the role of Audrey to Cindy Lauper. Whoa! <gasps> um, before they obviously ended up going with Ellen Green, Lauper wanted to do the part but couldn't commit because of her recording and touring schedule at the time. God. Alternate world? They've been right. Uh, she wouldn't have sounded as good. Probably not, but, you know, I, I still think it would have been interesting to to see. I think Those be- songs are hardcore to see. Like, you need someone with a, who can belt. Yeah. Like, having, I, I told you I have stories about Suddenly Seymour. You have a story about Suddenly life. Seymour? Well, yeah. Would you like to share it? <laughs> I have a couple about mm. that one particular song. I... You know how you have those romantic ideas? Like when you're, yeah, if you love musicals, there's a song and you always have those ideas of like, especially the romantic songs. I don't know if this is just me. Because <laughs> um, I've always wanted to be Audrey um, in a show. And there used to be a place called Ferrara Karaoke Bar in, mm. in Perth that did musicals nights. Right. And I went on a first date 
with a massive musical nerd mm. to Ferrara Bar and our first ever thing before we'd kissed, before anything was we our name got pulled out of the hat and we had to sing suddenly Seymour no. together. <laughs> it's like high school musical. Well, it was amazing. I mean, come on, kids. Well, it's like the film as well. They they had their first kiss after doing yeah. Seymour. Yeah. yeah. And then sweet. it went well. Yeah. Uh no, that was a train wreck of a relationship. <laughs> but um but that's a cool but memory that I've great. got. Yeah, the song was fabulous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh I was so scared because it was a room of musical theatre people and me, you know, I can I'd sing a bit, but I'm not I'm cool no enough. singer. Mm. I'm a, I'm Linda McCartney in a wings band for God's sake. Like that's that's <laughs> the amount of skills that I have. Um, but the other one was because I went to New York recently, and there's a place called Marie's Crisis in New York, which is where all the um, chorus boys go after um, shows on Broadway uh, yep. and just get blotto on <laughs> terrible martinis, on free pour martinis. No. And um, there's a dude who sits at a piano, and you just request musical songs, and so he plays them, and then everyone sings so i drank way too many martinis and um we all got befriended by this beautiful guy who i think was on a date but he was he didn't like his date and so he just decided to talk to us next to him <laughs> and this song suddenly seymour started playing and he grabbed my hand when he saw that i was <laughs> singing and we stood up next to the piano and did a little oh, duet <laughs> in front of all of these i probably wouldn't have done it if i wasn't so drunk um yeah in front of all of these like legit Broadway yeah. <laughs> chorus of boys and girls. That is bold. <laughs> it was so, I was like, no one knows who I am. I don't care. Oh. It was so funny. So I have these two beautiful memories mm. of yeah. this song. That's great. Uh, That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Beautiful memories. Uh, wardrobe and props were obtained from New York thrift shops in order to attain a period realism. The most difficult item to find were the garbage cans. So the set decorator, Tessa Davis, drove around in a truck filled with new cans. And whenever she saw an old can outside of someone's house, she would offer them a new one in exchange. Wow, Unreal. that's so cool. Yeah, people thought I was crazy, she yeah. remarked. <laughs> the dental tools used in Orrin's office during Bill Murray's famous scene would appear again in Tim Burton's 1989 film Batman. Uh, those very same tools are used on Jack Nicholson's Joker <gasps> after he falls into the chemicals. They do. Wow. By the, yeah, the, by the, the doctor who fixes mm. his face. And uh, the connection, of course, there is in the original version of this film uh, from 1960, Jack Nicholson plays the Bill Murray role. Mm. Is it contentious that that was his first role? Um, I think... It's According to this bit, it's his first movie role. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's... it's his first movie Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The other connection is Steve Martin's laugh. Yeah, which was very jackal. <laughs> yes, did yeah. you say that? That's yeah, so cool. Yeah. You did. Yeah, he's he's got a very joke of um, just giggle. Again, the nitrous oxide, that's probably what it that's is. That's it, yeah. Laughing gas, laughing, laughing gas feels very on Standard. point for the Joker. Yeah. So. <laughs> the young girl leaving the dentist's office before Bill Murray's scene is Heather Henson, daughter of Jim Henson. Boom. Great performance. So great. With all that metal stuff just around her that's face. That's tribute, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. No, that I didn't believe that. Go again. <laughs> the, fi the final bit of trivia is weird, uh, but I just really want to know what you guys think of it. Weirder than selling new garbage cans to yeah. people. Yeah, okay. The, it feels like, it almost feels like this is a sketch that somebody has written post this film. Okay. Someone at the Geffen Company tried to get Rodney Dangerfield into this film. They even tried to get him to record the vocals for Audrey, Audrey 2 behind Frank Oz's back. 
When the filmmakers returned to Pinewood Studios to reshoot the ending in September 1986, the revised script had Dangerfield playing Patrick Martin. (laughs) I don't know who this person is. I don't know what they wanted, but... (laughs) Would Rodney Dangerfield have fit in this film anywhere? He would have been as Patrick Martin. I could see that. Oh, yo, we want to buy a plant. Yeah, hey, come on, get out of here. I can't get no respect. Our oh. oh, plants. Oh. I actually heard that he did the vocal line for Skid Row. <laughs> 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 that's, just, that's just, I don't know where I heard about <laughs> Word in the street. That's where that came from. Alarm goes up at seven and you start uptown. <laughs> oh. It's just the weirdest oh. thing. Like, Rodney Dangerfield as Audrey too doesn't work. No. Feed me, feed me Seymour. Hey, hey Seymour. Hey, I feed can't. Feed me, me all night long. Hey, I eesh. can't get no cadavers around here. <laughs> it's a different movie. Take my wife. No, take her. <laughs> I can't eat her. <laughs> I need blood. She drained me dry. <laughs> That's what happens in a divorce. <laughs> Plants divorce too, you know. Uh, oh shit! I just like the idea of a vine pulling a tie yeah. loosely Ooh, around its stem, holding a cigar as well, <laughs> with a little golf hat on. Uh, you know, it might have worked. <laughs> oh my god! Shows how much Frank Oz knows about who's singing what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Voice what a fool. Yeah, yeah let's, let's trust Frank on. This <laughs> <spot>. <laughs> I'm just managing Rodney Dangerfield in the four tops, and it's just. <laughs> I can sing the opening of Grease too. Just, <laughs> just give me a moment. Oh my god! All right. Well, uh, with all that being said, uh, it's time to score the film. Uh, and Ryan, as this is your first time, uh, let me tell you that what we do is we sit here and we try and give the film a score out of ten. One being, and ten being, yippee! Uh, so we'll let Tegan go first because um, because you need to see how it's done, Tegan. What score would you give Little Shop of Horrors out of 10? I would give Little Shop of Horrors... I'm trying to think of a thing. (laughs) I thought of one and then it's gone. I would give Little Shop of Horrors 10 Betty Crocker cookbooks (laughs) out of 10. So this is a 10 out of 10 for you. Oh, it just is. I can't not. Mm. Do you know what I was thinking before, though? Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many film remakes that are happening at the moment. Hmm. How cool would this be to be remade? Mm. Like, it's actually one that they could take to somewhere really dark, mm. and I would love it. It would definitely. But I mean, this is a, obviously a remake in a sense, yeah, in, in a roundabout way. Because I mean, the musical. So, would you I like guess. to see the musical remade, or would you like to see the original '60s the musical remade? Right. Okay. And, but like gritty. Mm. I think you could really grit it. Um, not serious, not make it serious. Not heavy, but... No, but like, yeah. but use the original ending, mm. use those songs. I think we're more in a world now where we're happy to have that that sort of ending, a, mm. a bit more of a bleakness to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I think it's more of a... It's a very modern idea, ideal we've got for films mm. now. Mm. Um, I would love to see that. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, the key question fun. is who... Because Ronnie Dangerfield's dead, so we can't get him in. Hey. Who plays uh, the characters then? Who plays Seymour? Oh, that's a good question. Look, with the casting these days, you'll have Ed Sheeran as oh. uh, I don't think Seymour. Go for Ed you'll have no. I think maybe there's a big celebrity casting for musicals, though. Is there? Yeah, but who who, who should who have? should play Seymour? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. 
One of the kids from Stranger Things. <laughs> I'm going to go maybe. with Dustin. just cause. Maybe Dustin from Stranger <laughs> Things, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, he can sing, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, was in a, he was in, is it Les Mis or something? I think he was in Les Mis. I think he was, yeah, when he was very little. Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you know who even, Daniel Radcliffe would work. Yeah, someone yeah, like that. that. Kind of down on his luck. Grint. Yeah, point. Yeah. Bit He'd of be point great. The type. Yeah. yeah, just yeah. anyone from Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, Rupert Grint. Yeah, that's how I'm going. Okay. And El- uh, Audrey, they'll probably cast Emma Stone or Lady I'd- Gaga. <laughs> it's it. I'm because Emma Stone because I hated La La Land so much. Yeah, hated like did not it, like kill it with fire. Um, but Should've I loved it. the favorite, and she's so mm. good in that. Right. That made me like her again. So okay. I, I think maybe she could do it. She's got a nice voice. I think Audrey 2, you can have such a wide range on with, with choices there. Like a little bit of me, it, it depends on how you how threatening you want them to be. Because mm. um, if you want completely non-threatening, Jack Black would be amazing. He'd be pretty good, actually. I yeah. think that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Bold choice. Just yeah. this kind of like, because I feel like he could do that kind of like lighthearted but smarmy like, come on. And little yeah. buddy kind of thing. So, but yeah. it sounds too much like Jack Black. That's the thing. When you've got a mm. voice like Levi Stubbs, it's a it's a familiar like a familiar style to the voice. Yeah. And probably like I don't really know any of the Four Tops music other than a bit of the stuff I've heard mm. their pop music and and him as this voice. So you, maybe you do need someone who's a little bit more of you know kind of that you haven't heard yeah. before yeah so you're not get constantly getting distracted and being yeah. like oh yeah john legend singing this <laughs> it's childish gambino yeah. what's going on there it's josh groban <laughs> i'll just grow and be all right it'd be fine yeah i mean it's 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 hard it, i think it's hard because this is this is a really good cast yeah i think i yeah. think you know, it, it, I, I agree. I think it is a film that could be remade and remade interestingly, but you'd have to get that balance of um, of who's involved right. I think the only one you could have again is Bill Murray playing him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. That'd be great. <laughs> the um, I think like even having the little star cameos adds something else. Like I'm, yeah. I'm not even exactly sure what, but it Definitely. keeps keeps buoying the movie as you go along, and you're just like, oh, it's so and so, and it keeps it kind of. It'd be part of, like, you'd have to pay homage to that and bring it back. So that would be part of the fun. But, like, it's the the Jewishness of it as well. Like, Mm. you know, Krellborn, Mushnik, Scrovello. It's New York. It's, you know, again, just having been there, everything's a latke and a bagel. It was like, it was just beautiful being in that, um, being in that world. Um, Like, that would be cool to kind of explore, Mm. to, to use the world, beautiful world of, the Jewish mm. actors now mm. to, to be in this uh, be in this stuff I think too Ryan mm. what are you going to give Little Shop of Horrors out of 10 I really 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 enjoyed it um, and I think I'm going to give it eight and a half collapsing buildings yes. out of 10 that was a pretty impressive sequence the the old uh, everything falling down on top of him yeah I there were a couple of moments I totally bought that it was going in the disastrous yeah. route like mm. When um, Audrey 1 was being eaten by Audrey 2, I was like, oh, wow, this is it. This is, they go on this way. I don't know if you noticed, but you both went, when he went, when it went, hey, little lady, hello, you both went, oh, no. Mm, (laughs) I believe it. It was really cute. I exclaimed multiple times. I'm glad the mics are off or you'd have all these little text tones of like, like, oh. (laughs) No, they were the bits of validation I needed while I was sitting here. Eliciting vocals. Oh, look, I was, I was 
hooked within the first five minutes. Beautiful. I I really, really, really enjoyed this film, and we'll we'll probably watch it again in the very near future. Mm. Um, it's well, we need to watch it now with the director's commentary. With the director's commentary, yeah, yeah, to figure out what's going on, figure yeah. out where Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> yeah. was meant to be. Yeah. Uh, but for me, um, this was this was this was fantastic. This was this was a really fun film and i think fun is the key word for yes, this one it's 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 so fun and it is very reminiscent of rocky horror i might even say it's slightly better than rocky horror which i know is yeah i mean i no, I, re- I, I, yeah. I i think as far as the way a film is put together yeah absolutely but remembering rocky horror had no money yeah had a lot very of, different types of films yes was, yeah uh, and, and also no cross-dressing tim curry so you know there's which is <laughs> it's all the less for it really. yeah um but I, I just feel as though that what um little shop of horrors has has captured is still there mm. 30 plus years mm. on um yeah. i think it's it's a really really lovely film and i'm so glad i got to see it so i, I would give it nine and a half um chorus Audrey two heads <laughs> yes. because the, the, I, out of ten I just love when they were like dipping in with their bap boop yeah. in the song it's so like, keep the thing yeah keep the thing whoa <laughs> yeah so clever yeah it's, it's yeah. great to have the original idea but then it's all those little details that make it yeah so yeah it was this was a really fun film yeah. um so thank you audience for for choosing it and thank you Tegan and Ryan for joining me on this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club no problem. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. My, I just want to say my favourite moment was when the building collapsed and Ryan said, he's been Lannistered. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you listening at home, thank you very much for listening in. Hey, this was a film we let the audience pick. You're the audience. Do you want to pick a film? Uh, you can do that by becoming one of our Patreons. Just go to patreon.com forward slash podcast. We have monthly polls each and every month, and you can throw your suggestions for what you would like us to do. Uh, coming up, we're doing a Halloween film and a Christmas film, uh, tying it into the holidays. So if you've got films that you'd love to see as review, head on over there, become a Patreon for as little as a dollar a month, and uh, you can suggest wonderful films like this. Or less wonderful ones. It's like up to Grease you. Two. Suggest Grease Two. <laughs> Never in a million years. I want to do Grease Two. Yeah, well, Just for the opening song. Yeah, the Rodney Dangerfield opening song. Let's <laughs> go well, back to school. Hey, wasn't he in a film called Back to School? <laughs> That's the one with um um Robert Downey Jr. Isn't it the one oh, where remember. they swap? Yeah, I think it's been so. so long since I've watched it. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Ah, it's all tied together. Um, Also, uh, you can join our Facebook page. Just go there, give the page a like, and you can vote on the polls or suggest films or just leave us comments, you know, talk about your favourite films that would be ruined by Rodney Dangerfield replacing (laughs) the main character. You know, like if he was in Empire Strikes Back, Luke, uh, oh, this is awkward, but... uh, I'm your father. I'm your puppy. (laughs) It's a boy. (laughs) That's impossible. (laughs) No, it's true. Help! Help me! Hey! Help me! Help me! One, <laughs> you, you, uh, you may only help you. Yeah. Down the rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, and of course, uh, make sure you're subscribed so you can hear uh, more Rodney Dangerfield. Droids? Films. I don't see no droids. <laughs> <laughs> Just hit subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud or. Um, any, any, anything you want. Just follow us there. Uh, but that's all for this week um, on the Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> Catch Up Club. <laughs> um, thank you very much for joining us. And until next time, goodbye.
Bye, Mr. Mushnick. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.